0: This episode of School PR Drive Time is brought to you by Final Sight. Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NCSPRA. I'm Stacia Harris, a member of the NCSPRA media team, and I'm the director of communications for Buncombe County Schools in today's episode we're tackling the topic of staff retention and recruitment this is always a hot topic throughout the school year and many school systems face staffing shortages and challenges at some point how are teachers and support staff finding our jobs can the process be improved and what can we do to help support a wonderful culture and environment where staff can thrive Joining me today is my friend and former newsroom colleague, Scott Dabrowski. Scott and I started our careers in television in Nebraska. He's now the VP of Global Corporate Communications for Indeed. As his job straddles both communications and staffing, we are so excited to hear his perspective and best practices from the corporate world. We have lots to cover today. Let's start the show. Hello, Scott, and welcome to School PR Drive Time. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. To get us started, please tell us a little bit about your background in both journalism and communications.
1: All right. Well, Stacia, thank you so much for having me today. It is an honor to be here. Um, My name is Scott Dabrowski. I'm the vice president of Global Corporate Communications at Indeed. We are the world's largest job site and leading hiring platform and Wow, I have uh, had quite a journey in the communications world, really starting out as a journalist in small town Nebraska for three years, which is where I met you, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Every day, night, morning, <laughs> on the news, breaking stories, sharing <laughs> stories, doing it all, producing, writing, editing. But I bet you would agree. It, it really did set the scene for... Um, a career in communications, whether, no matter where you work, no matter what industry, it's all storytelling at the end of the day. So I I say that because journalism was really a great foundation um, to unearth angles, stories, simplify messages. And in this world right now where there's so much competing noise and platforms um, and claims and voices, um, storytellers are important to people, businesses, corporations. So we do have a, a seat at the table. We have a role to play. And, um, you know, after this career in journalism for almost a decade, I, I went to Florida, switched careers to communications PR, working for a small boutique agency. And then I've been back in the San Francisco Bay Area for over a decade where I was born and raised. And I've worked for two technology companies, um, Glassdoor leading their PR and communications for many years, over a decade. And then um, about a year and a half ago, transitioning to Glassdoor's sister company, um, Indeed, which is the world's largest job site. We're in 60 countries um, and used by a lot of job seekers and employers. So finding a job, getting a job, employment, hiring. uh, I hope I know some things about it at this time, at this point.
0: Absolutely. You do. And and we're going to dive right in and and we're going to pick your brain and figure it all out. So speaking of storytelling, school PR practitioners play a huge role in helping HR with recruiting. And in K-12 education, really there's a wide variety of of folks that we're looking for and roles that we're trying to fill. So let's start with, with my first question. As an organization, how do we position ourselves as the place to work? What platforms do we need to be on? And how do we need to show up and communicate our values to potential employees?
1: Oh, boy, loaded question right off the top. So I'll try and tackle it as best I can. Um, You know, first, I really, you know, what we really advocate for different organizations, and this includes schools, educational institutions, is looking at your value proposition, which often starts with looking at what is your mission? What is your purpose in life and in your communities? And what are your values? So it's kind of the, you know, the mission is, what do you want to achieve? And your values are, how do you go about achieving that? Or what characteristics does someone have that show up in the work to to support that mission? So one, um, what we call in the employment industry, sharing your employer brand, which which is really who you are as an employer, what makes you different and unique. This is hugely important to job seekers today, um, especially smart and savvy job seekers who might have choices into where to go to work Um, from some, you know, some places such as um, school uh, institutions and educational institutions, we often hear feedback, but how can I compete with talent with a big corporation or a big bank or a big sexy tech company that's giving free lunches and, and other benefits in my community, especially now that work, everyone's fighting for the same talent now with remote work going on so much. Um, So this is where we've seen um, employers of all sizes, including academic institutions, um, see success, is leaning into what makes you different, your employer brand, who you are, and also putting it in the places where job seekers are organically researching you as a potential employer. So yes, having it on your own career site is great and helpful, and you should, but the same way we research hotels restaurants, airfare these days, um, job seekers are consumers. They are looking at third-party sites to suss you out and research not only what you have to say, But what others have to say about you. So that is why sites like Glassdoor, Indeed, and other job sites have come on so strong in recent years is because they are third-party sites where millions and millions of job seekers are growing. I mean, on Indeed right now, we have more than 350 million job seekers visiting our site every single month. Here in the US, this is every state, every industry, company size. And so showing them who you are is hugely important. Another way that you can really help attract talent is focusing in this day and age on skills-based hiring. So continue to mention the skills that you're seeking in your job descriptions, in your value proposition, and really understanding too that the person who could be a quality match, a good fit for your roles, may not have the exact same job title that you're hiring them for, but if they have related and transferable skills, that could be an awesome, awesome employee that you otherwise wouldn't have even thought about.
0: Wonderful answer, and kind of related to that, as you're thinking about attracting employees, it's not always about the salary. I think it, it is. It's sort of easy to say, "Oh, well, X, Y, and Z pays more," so so there's there's no way I can recruit that person. But really, job seekers have other
1: priorities. They do. This is fascinating because um, the thought, the assumption was money, money, money matters. And by the way, don't get me wrong, money does matter. And, and total compensation is a part of this. But studying um, job behavior, interests, and what leads to hires ultimately at Indeed, um, and drawing on my experience at Glassdoor too, there's been multiple research and reports done by our team of economists. So this isn't just I think or I feel, this is data that we've looked at. Couple things we know. One, um, with the advent of salary transparency and and the topic of transparency being such a topic across the nation, it is to everyone's advantage to actually include your pay or at least pay ranges up front in your job postings. In fact, on Indeed, when employers include pay information in their job listings, they on average see about 30% more apply starts on their jobs. Now, another thing, though, that's really important is when I talked earlier about how job seekers today are um, consumers and they're researching companies the same way we research restaurants and hotels and airfares, Um, they're researching you as an employer of choice. So when we have um, aggregated data and looked at what matters most when determining where to work, salary is not a top three factor among job seekers overall today. Again, yes, it matters, but what really job seekers today are looking at is career opportunities and career growth being number one, So having a path and a clear uh, step forward uh, or several steps in their career at an organization. Uh, Number two is really um, looking into transparency among senior leaders. So this is, are the senior leaders clearly communicating the vision of the organization, where they're going, where they want to go, and also how you're doing along the way? Um, most employees at some companies still this day and age don't even know how their business is performing. And so therefore they don't know how they fit in and how they contribute. So again, if they don't know, you don't know how you're contributing, a lot of people don't know if they want to stick around or not. And then really the third part is the culture and the values. So how, again, you are showing up, how you're different and putting that into practice um, as an employer. So this is the data we see. I'll say anecdotally, when we hear from employers today of all sizes, this makes a lot of sense too, because generally a lot of job seekers today are much more looking for careers, not just jobs. Some are looking for just jobs, but many are looking for careers where they can grow their careers and advance with the same organization.
0: And I know here in, in our school system, so here in Asheville, part of our marketing strategy is it's the area. It's all about location, 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 because everyone loves Asheville. And so that is a huge selling point for us. And in public education, and every state is, is different, the the total compensation package also matters to include what are the retirement benefits? What are the health benefits? That's that's a huge selling point for us If if the salary isn't necessarily totally matching up with other companies in the area.
1: Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that because a lot of people think that just putting your base salary is enough. It is not. The total compensation and anything that carries monetary value should be included as part of the total compensation package, as you mentioned.
0: So our world it is changing so fast, especially post-COVID. And you know, re- remote is huge and, and it just feels like the workplace is is changing so much. As a public school institution, how do we um what are what are future trends are you seeing and how do we compete on that plane with everything feeling like it is changing so much and so quickly?
1: Oh boy, yes. Um, you know, one of the future trends is remote work. Um, that is definitely a theme going forward. And for certain you know, school districts and education, there probably are some roles that can have a remote or flexible option to them. I'm assuming there are other roles that maybe can't. So I think clearly find, finding that, that flexibility though where you can is a huge coup and a huge advantage. Another emerging trend is certainly Uh, The buzzword of the day right now, uh, AI, AI, AI. Mm -hmm. And so um, there is no doubt about it. When our team of economists at Indeed have looked at all roles and skills required in roles in job listings on Indeed, they've determined that all jobs, 100% of jobs, will be impacted in some way by AI, AI. In the coming years mm-hmm. now that does not mean the robots are taking your jobs <laughs> that is um really out there and that is actually not true what it is assessing and what we've looked at is every single job can be augmented um and supported by ai in some way right you think about it we all do tasks and things where mm-hmm. you thought gosh wouldn't it be easier if i could press a button and this could come to life, or even I'm writing a memo, or potentially I'm even grading a paper where uh, technology could get you started in the process or put together a result, but it still requires human touch review, and it still requires good judgment by the human to edit and fix. Never... I shouldn't say never with AI, but right now when I'm thinking about say education, we don't see any indication where a robot could say grade a paper perfectly Mm -hmm. just to Mm -hmm. use that example. And there's all kinds of papers. So maybe it can for like Scantron or certain, but I'm talking about where there's thought and writing, but could it get for a teacher? Could it get you maybe 80, 85% started and it's less work for the teacher 30 times over Mm -hmm. potentially also if a district a school district is able to start thinking about how they can transform how they work and bring ai to the equation this is a hugely attractive forward looking benefit for employers today across all industries in fact we already see in job postings across all industries when ai is mentioned in a job posting it is getting more interest so again it's acknowledging you know, you don't have to be perfect today and You don't have to introduce all these vendors and services, but it does show that over time for efficiency, and by the way, cost savings most often too, AI can be a really great partner to doing the work.
0: I'm so glad you brought up AI because we're having those conversations. I think it's it's tricky in education because you say AI and immediately I'm thinking, oh, a student using AI to write an essay, and that's of course like you know we don't that that's not allowed. But there are a million different applications for AI, and so I would encourage our, our fellow listeners to be creative and look into the different options and don't and don't rule it out because you think it ai is just this one thing that we know the kids shouldn't be doing and 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 we, we don't allow them to do
1: right and you know what we really advocate and say here at indeed is we are both excited and scared of ai so we believe and see the tremendous benefits ai can bring to education and to other industries but also remember ai and this technology is only as good as the pro- as the people who program it. And we know that people are flawed. And so that's just keeping in mind that humans still have to be and must be connected to it. Absolutely. Well, our conversation is just
0: getting started. After the break, we'll discuss how communicators play a role in both cultivating and conveying organizational culture to attract and retain a diverse workforce. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. site, now home to Blackboard K-12, is the preferred website and digital communications provider of more than 5,000 school districts across the country. We make it easy for schools and districts to transform community engagement, recruit staff, and strengthen their online presence while managing the complex requirements around data privacy, accessibility, hosting, and security. With scalable solutions to meet every district's unique needs, 24-7 support, in-house accessibility specialists, and tactical website deployments. Final Sight is equipped to help districts of all sizes launch and maintain websites that improve communications outcomes. Final Sight is proud to partner with North Carolina schools. Welcome back to School PR Drive Time. My guest today is Scott Dabrowski, VP of Global Corporate Communications for Indeed. So before we took to the break, Scott, we discussed storytelling and how that that impacts HR recruiting and and employee retention. So we can tell our story, but is that enough? How can we as organizations be responsive to our our changing workforce?
1: Uh, I love that question so much, Stacia, because... A lot of employers, again, school, educational institutions, or otherwise, are sometimes only doing part of part of this, which means sharing their story proactively. Yes, on their own website. Yes, on on sites where job seekers are, in particular, sites like Indeed and Glassdoor, and other job sites too. But surprise, that is not enough. So again, think of the consumer journey that we're all on when we research. Um, a restaurant on Yelp, or we look at Google reviews when assessing do we stay at the Hyatt or the Hilton Hotel or an Airbnb. Part of what we are looking for and what influences trust and ultimately decision-making is the response, the responsiveness and the feedback from both sides. So what that means in this case of job searching is we know today's job seekers are reading what employees have to say or former employees have to say, or what workers have to say. What they're also looking for is responsiveness um, from the entity itself. So in this case, from the school district, if someone is writing about what it's like to work at X and Y school district, and look, they're usually and hopefully being comprehensive and talking about what's working well and what needs improvement, you as the school district, it goes a long, long way to chime in and respond by, by sharing you know, thank you for this feedback, acknowledging the comments and really addressing any areas of improvement and and noting the actions, not just you believe in something, but the action plan you're doing to make something better. Um, Hopefully, this feedback that's also, by the way, showing up on sites like Indeed, Glassdoor, or on social media, um, oftentimes, These are the same themes that you're hearing yourself as the employer in your feedback surveys from your own workers. It's just showing up externally. So hopefully you are addressing this feedback. It's consistent. Um, Yes, we know it can take time to, you know, the first question is, am I supposed to reply to every single comment then on Indeed, on Glassdoor and on Twitter X or whatever you want to call it these days? And uh, the answer is, uh, well, no, not every comment. But it also depends on what your hiring goals are, how much you care about your employer brand and reputation, and where you see hiring and success of your business going forward. Without a doubt, it, uh, without a doubt, employers who respond, it it translates to better employer brand reputation, and it does have a correlation to more people um, and more quality candidates applying to your jobs ultimately.
0: Excellent, and. How can and again, this is a conversation I think lots of organizations are having are how do we attract and build that diverse workforce? What are some strategies that the corporate world uses that might be translated uh, to to public education?
1: Uh, Yes, I love this question, too, because the topic of diversity, equity, inclusion is is a hot topic. And, you know, it really, really came on quite strong a few years ago. It's always been out there in the corporate world, probably hasn't received enough, enough attention that it, it should have. In fact, we, we know it hasn't because there are still inequities in both representation and in pay at many levels. So there's a lot, of, a lot of history to undo here still when it comes to equity in the workplace. So, okay, what are two strategies or behaviors that corporations and companies of any size are seeing success in? Two areas include focusing on people and programs. So no doubt about it, as part of the equation to to have um, to be diverse, equitable, and inclusive, you do wanna make sure that your workforce is representing uh, the people that you serve, work with, partner with, et cetera. So um, to one, make sure you have um, a mix of diverse people. And remember, this can span race, ethnicity, gender, gender identity, age, veteran status, and 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 other factors as well. Um, this all goes into diversity. Also, people forget diversity in education and thought, not just hiring the same people from the same school. So that's just another example. So really um, focusing on, well, where you are today, and you can't improve it if you can't measure it. So first, can you measure in representation, what your diversity actually looks like. And yes, you've got to be careful of local laws, states, national, things like that. But generally here in the US, um, at least here at Indeed, we are able to ask um, employees in the United States and they can opt in or opt out. We ask them about race, ethnicity, age, gender identity, and then some other factors. So these are some I would say of the the ones that get more attention and some really great places to start to creating a more equitable workforce. So first it's measuring, see where you're at, and then see where do you want to go? Do you want 50% um, men, women? Do you want your race ethnicity percentages to match, say, the overall US census? Or maybe you want it to match your, your state or your local municipality, especially maybe for a school district, what matters to the community you're serving? So those are just some thoughts. But to answer those questions, and then, of course, put a plan to it. So um, one thing we advocate and we see where companies are successful here is, and I know this can feel a little scary, but it's embracing transparency, putting together goals Again, it's not one year. These numbers are very tough to move. But putting together goals, um, is it five years, 10 years, um, where you want to reach certain goals in terms of representation? Now, representation is one big part of it. Another part of it is programs. It's actually not just good enough to say, look, we have the numbers of representation. That doesn't necessarily translate to an equitable environment um, or sustain a diverse environment over years. So In addition to people, you also wanna have diverse, equitable equitable programs. And these are often programs that are baked into what you're doing already, but it's making sure this is baked into some of your standard practices that people and organizations sometimes um, don't change significantly over years and years. Programs such as, how do you hire? How do you interview people? Where do you consider? When you're recruiting, and and putting out messages, what pools of talent are you going to? Are you going to diverse pools? But in addition, once people join your organization, how are you educating them about um, what diversity looks like, how they bring forward equitable practices in what they Mm -hmm. teach, how they share feedback, data, information, how they're a part of a hiring process. So kind of when you start listing out all of these things, it actually becomes very apparent very quickly, there needs to be a lens of an equitable lens applied to all, all of your HR, your current HR practices and policies. And then you need to think how you want to change and evolve going forward and make sure lens of of being equitable is applied to those as well. Sometimes people think, oh, isn't it just I hire a DEI person and they do this on the side? Um, No, no, that's actually not it. And now That that can help because that person can own and be accountable, but they've got to work cross-functionally. And where we've seen certain employers fail is they hire a DEI specialist or manager, but that person and the company doesn't have buy-in across other parts of the company. So therefore, that person is advocating and trying to get programs implemented, but others aren't buying into it. So it really comes from the top down that if you're going to go that way, you've got to make sure that the other teams and stakeholders are open to it and going to take that person's recommendation seriously.
0: Excellent. And as we wrap up our conversation, I want to end with a question uh, similar to how we began. I want to talk about storytelling. And as we are the communicators or, or the team of communicators for our school system, how do we show progress on these efforts and, and not just have DEI as a talking point?
1: Yes, I mean, um, it's not just about talking, it's about um, walking the talk, as they say, and putting in mile markers, showing proof and data. So hopefully once you develop a strategy and a plan that involves both people and programs, um, we suggest show it and, and be accountable to it. And annual progress is a great way. In fact, many school districts and other companies have annual reports or some sort of annual summary. That could be a great place to talk about um, your latest metrics in representation every year and then talk about what worked well but also what needs improvement embracing transparency not being afraid of it and embracing your strengths and your weaknesses goes a long long way these days and it's not about trying to be perfect it's about acknowledging what's working well acknowledging what needs improvement but as part of that adding in how are you going to get better? That's really what people are expecting. They're not expecting perfection, 12 months or 24 months. What they are expecting and looking for is progress you're making. And if you miss the mark, well, then how are you trying to fix it?
0: Excellent. And with that, we'll end the conversation there. Scott Dabrowski, thank you so much for joining us today. Scott is the VP of Global Corporate Communications with Indeed. It's been a great conversation and it's been great to catch up with you as
1: well. Thank you, Stacia. I loved being here. Thank you so much.
0: And thank you for tuning in to School PR Drive Time. Don't forget to rate this podcast and share it with a colleague or friend. Thanks to Final Sight for their support of School PR Drive Time.